Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me this morning. Uh, hope you're doing well. I'm not going to give much of an introduction this morning because I got a lot to say. I'm really pumped up about the message this morning. My heart is full. So if I let me just if I go over my time, what I normally do a little bit, and you need to come back and catch the rest of it, that's fine. I'm just going to back the truck up and dump this whole load today, however long it takes, because I think it's really important what I want to get across to you this morning. I want to start with a very familiar verse of scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. You probably heard this scripture a gazillion times throughout your church walk, but I want to point something out, and then it's going to kind of segue into where we want to go this morning. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall meet all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to ask 10 Christians, 10 people that know their Bible, and you were to start that verse by saying, finish this verse for me, and you said, my God shall supply, I'll tell you exactly how probably nine out of 10 are going to finish it. They're going to say, my God shall meet all of my needs, plural, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The word is not plural, it's singular. My God shall meet all of your need. There's only one need that you have. And this is where we're going to start to get into the teaching this morning. There's only one need that you have, and that is to tap in to the eternal, unlimited supply that the Father has for all of his sons and all of his daughters. I don't think there's any better word that you can attach to the Father than the word unlimited. Because my daddy doesn't do anything halfway. Everything he does, he does to perfection. He does to completion. He's not subject to restrictions. He's not subject to limitations. He's not subject to facts, figures. He's not subject to human opinion. His love, his mercy, his reconciliation, his goodness, his freedom. The, I mean, we could just go on and on and on about how the Father demonstrates himself in a totally unlimited fashion. There is no end to his love, to his reconciliation, to his forgiveness, to the freedom that he brings to us. In fact, I think the Father loves the entire world in an unlimited, we call it unconditional, but I think unlimited exposes it and really brings it another dimension. It is unconditional in that there's no conditions attached to it. I've told you many, many times that his love runs on a one-way street. It runs from him to you without condition. That means it's been direct deposited into your life so that you can enjoy it. But I like the word unlimited because that gives me a glimpse of the expanse, of the supply, of the depth, of the width, of the height, that Paul said we need to come to an understanding of concerning the love of God. It's unlimited. There's a, there's a verse that I think explains it well. I'm a, probably what's going to take me so long this morning is I do want to use quite a bit of scripture, just so you all know I'm legal, and I'm teaching you from the scriptures. I'm teaching you from, from the Bible, what Christians call God's word, though it never calls itself that. Here's a, here's a verse I think expresses the unlimited love of God. It says in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world. Man, that somebody ought to shout an amen right there. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world, and I'm reading out of the New King James, but so that the world might be saved. Now there's a word there that just bugs me to no end. After I discovered it was not in the original, and it's the word might, because it throws a little doubt in there as to his unlimited salvation. It throws just a little bit of doubt in there as to his intentions for all humanity. Let me read that again, and uh, let me just say, I did a little research. The NIV, the NLT, the Berean Study Bible, the NASB, God's um, Word Translation, the Christian Standard, the Contemporary English Bible, the Good News Translation, none of them use the word might. None of them use the word might because it's not, it's not apropos. Probably a better translation would be would, although these translations don't even put would in there. It, 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 might is a terrible translation. Would is better, but it's not perfect. If you read the other translations, it simply says that God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but so that he might be the savior of the world or that he might save the entire, the entire world. So that to me, that just gives us a glimpse of the unlimited love that the Father has. He didn't send his son to condemn, he sent his son to save. He sent his son not just to save a few, not just to save a small percentage, but the entire world. So the Father's unlimited. 
He's unlimited. And the good news of that, the good news of that is that you're made in his image and likeness. I want to delve into that. You are made in his image, you are made in the image and the likeness, think about it, of a father that is unlimited. Now, the church, the church in its natural thinking likes the word some or qualification in order to receive from this unlimited God. What makes God so unlimited is that he puts no qualifications on us. Absolutely puts no conditions. The Father is unlimited to all. Listen, here's how I want to phrase it. The Father is unlimited to all because he puts no qualification on any of us to qualify for his unlimitedness. He say, really doesn't? Absolutely he does not. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says that he has qualified us. He has qualified us to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has qualified us. Now just be logical with me this morning. Nothing wrong with logic, nothing wrong with common sense, by the way. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 says that he's fully qualified us. If that's the fact, if that's true, then there's absolutely nothing that Don Keithley or Bo Brown, whatever your name is, there's absolutely nothing we can do to qualify ourselves. The qualifications have already been met by this unlimited God. And he demonstrates it. He demonstrates his ability at unlimited by saying there's no qualification that you have to meet or aspire to within yourself to receive what I have. He's qualified all of us for an unlimited inheritance. How are you going to put a measure on an unlimited God's inheritance to what he's given to us? Here's his inheritance. Everything that he has, he's given to us. Everything that he is, he's deposited in our account. Direct deposited. Nothing you can, is there. What you need to do is open your eyes and draw on it. You can live your whole life blind to the inheritance, but you don't have to. And that's where the church gets hung up. The church thinks you have to do something to tap the inheritance. You don't have to do anything. It's already in your account. All we need to do is pull on it. Here's the beauty. Here's why there's no qualification needed. This says that everything he has, he's qualified us to be, in, to be a partaker of the inheritance. You can partake at whatever level you want to partake in. You can partake in as much as you want to. So the I am, whatever you need, I am, he says. I am your health. I am your wealth. I am your security. I am your stability. I am your fearlessness. Whatever he says he is, we can say I am because he's given us of himself fully and entirely, and, and in case you didn't catch image and likeness, he says, I'm, I'm giving you an inheritance, man. You can write a check on this baby as much as you want. You can't put too many zeros on this inheritance that I've given to you. Now, if you understand that, if you understand that he is whatever you need, and he has taken whatever you need and already placed it within your account because of the inheritance, we can say, Whatever he says I am, I can say I am. Now that throws, that throws a curveball here. Because if that's true, then the Father doesn't answer our prayers by giving us something. Oh, that hurt, didn't it? That was like a, a razor to your wounded heart this morning. He does not answer your prayer by giving you something. What he does because of the inheritance, catch this, what he does because of the inheritance is to open your eyes to what you already have. Opens your eyes to what you already have. You, me you remember that verse over in 2 Peter 1.3 that says that he has given to us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. That covers the street. There, there is no need that you have that is outside the life you live or the godliness that you, that you enjoy to become more, to, to reflect him, to image him more. There's nothing that you can do. He's given you everything. He's, he's, he's put it in your, your account. You just need to write the check on it. He is unlimited. And then he ties you to his unlimitedness. I want to read four scriptures. I'm going to, I'm going to read two scriptures about how unlimited he is. Then I'm going to read two scriptures about how unlimited you are. And let me just say this. The reason that I can say I am unlimited is because of I am that I am. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Let me hit just two scriptures that will, that will just maybe expand your consciousness a little bit on his unlimitedness. 
Luke chapter 1, verse 37. I'm going to come back to this passage in about 10 minutes and explore what's talking about here. Luke 1, 37 says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that whatever you're in, whatever situation you find yourself in at any time, that he has a solution? You don't have to beg and plead for a solution. He's already given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. The solution is within you. So he's teaching us by the spirit of truth to pull out of our inner man the solution to whatever it is that we face, the answer to the problem, right? Nothing is impossible with God. One more. Luke, while you're there in Luke, just come on over to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 27. And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The things that are impossible with a natural man, things that are impossible with a man that doesn't understand his, his limitlessness, the man who doesn't understand that he is, title of the teaching today, that he is a superhuman human. They're impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Now, let me read two scriptures where he begins to bring you into this characteristic that he has when he displays his unlimitedness. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul caught, these things Paul caught so well. Philippians chapter 4. You, you know these scriptures. But I, I hope I'm shedding some light on them today that's going to that, gonna bring them into some new areas and some new revelation. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Now this is going to tie you into it. Are you ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we just read in Luke chapter 18 verse 27 that with God all things are possible that are impossible to man. Now, if you bring yourself into this dimension of your Christedness, the fact that you are an anointed one, right? The Christ lives within you. Then this brings you into his dimension. Now, all this is through Christ. It's be remaining Christ-centered in everything that we do. But he says in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that I can do everything. This brings me then into this dimension of uh, unlimited, makes me a superhuman human. Right, one more, Mark chapter 9. Let's see what Jesus had to say. Mark chapter 9 and verse, let's just do verse 23. We'll just leave it there. Mark chapter 9 or 11 verse 23. Mark 11, 23, really? Jesus said here, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Right? That's Mark 11:23. Now let me back up just two chapters to Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. So we already got you speaking to mountains. We got you speaking to impossible situations, saying that you shall receive whatever it is that you say out of your heart. In Mark 9:23, Jesus said, "If you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes." Now just allow me just a minute. I want to come back to Mark 9, 23, um, because I think there's something important there that has snagged us, and I want to, I just want to limit it. But let me say, to preface that, that the unlimited of the Father was demonstrated in the Son, Jesus. Jesus walked in a dimension that was totally unlimited. The, when he fed the 5,000, walked on water, raised Lazarus from the dead, he was, he was encroaching on a dimension that with man was impossible, but was possible to him because he believed that all things were possible to the Father. So this message of grace that I teach so diligently and have been for the last 20 years opens your eyes up to a Father who is unlimited and the grace, the grace brings you into a consciousness through the inheritance that we just read about that what is yours also then now brings you into that realm of being all things are possible. See, the Gentiles, we have an inheritance. Now, let me come back to Mark 9, 23, because this, this opens the door to some of our thinking, I hope. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, he said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, this has been, been the snag. We've, this believe thing. Let me, just, let me just put a pin in this balloon of believe. We've made believing a work. 
We, we've, we've tried to, you know, there have been times, man, I remember back in my Word of Faith days, I ruptured my believer trying to lift all the weight to make it happen. I tried to make my believer strong. I'd confess the word, I'd bind, come against. I did all kind of stuff to, to try to up the ante on my believer to make it happen. Let me say this to you, and this will help some of you right here. Believing, believing is an effortless response to revelation. When you see it, you'll believe it. And I'm not talking with your physical eyes. I'm talking about when you see it with the eyes of your spirit, with this inner man. When you come within, when you, when you are facing something, you come within, you see it with the eyes of the spirit, you will believe it. Believing is an effortless response to revelation. It is not a work. It is not something that you gin up. It's a simple response. It's a natural happening. I believe the sun's going to come up tomorrow. You know why? Because in all my years, it's come up every morning. I believe the sun's going to set tonight. Do you know why? I've seen it set for, for years and years and years. I know when it's going to set. I can look at my, my, my phone, see what time the sunset is. I can go out and watch it dip over the horizon. If you don't see it with the spirit eyes, you cannot, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you try to strengthen your believer, if you don't see it with your, your spirit eyes, you can say you believe. And this is where we got followed up in religion. We said we believed things that we did not see. You know, you better believe that Jesus is your savior or you're not going to be saved. I believe, I believe, I believe. And you didn't see anything. You never got a revelation of him as your savior. You came to the digital cathedral. I begin to open your eyes to spirit truth and the spirit of truth begin to work in you and you begin to see things you never saw before. All right? Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to delve into this. My goodness, this is going to shake your cosmos by the time we're done today. Matthew chapter 13, and let's pick it up with verse 15, 16, 17. Matthew chap chapter 13, verse 15. For the heart of the people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts. So he's... He's talking about an internal working. He's not talking about external eyes and ears. He's talking about understanding with the heart. The way you understand with the heart, Jesus is very specific, very clear on this, is that you have to see with your spiritual eyes. You have to hear with your spiritual ears. And because the eyes are closed, the ears are shut up, they don't understand anything in their heart. In other words, the revelation has not come to them in the degree or the level that they can believe effortlessly. Verse Verse uh, 16, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see spiritually with the eyes of your understanding and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and they've never heard them. It was not the time. It was held back. They, could, they didn't get the revelation. Therefore, they couldn't, they couldn't believe for it. So here's what I'm saying to you. The spirit of truth is the great eye opener. When the spirit of truth opens your eyes, you see, you believe. You believe and receive when you see. And what you see is what you already have. 2 Peter 1.3, already given to us. The inheritance has already belongs to us. The spirit of truth comes and it continually unwraps and exposes to us so that we can see and receive because we believe. The, the, the more you see, the more you can believe. And the more you believe, the more that you can see. Now, I'm going to say something, and I'm, 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 I may say this two or three times this morning because I, I want to really impress it on, on your spirit, man. Listen to this. You can only receive by faith what grace is given. You can, oh, I wish I would have known this 30 years ago. You can only receive by faith what grace is given. Therefore, I want to learn everything that grace has given to me in this inheritance because that's what I can receive when I see it. Therefore, I believe for it. The more you see, the more you respond. The more you see, the more you can respond effortlessly and you can believe it than to receive it. 
So the whole key is what you see. What you see. The whole key is learning to live out of this man that is inside. The clear that you, that you nail down your authentic identity. The clear that you nail down who you really are. And you discover who you've always been. The more you can see. And the more you see out of this, out of this clarity of identity. Authenticity of who you've always been. The more you can see then. It takes, it takes the blinders off. It removes the veil. Therefore, you can respond effortlessly and believe and therefore receive. Paul lays this out in Ephesians chapter 1. Let me walk you through Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 to 20 because he, he really he walks us through this, this whole procedure so well. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. Here's how, it's, here's how it starts. This is a prayer that Paul prayed over the, the church at Ephesus. And this is a prayer that I oftentimes pray before I do the teaching at the digital cathedral or the secret place on Wednesday night. This is what I want to happen. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, give you, grant you, may, 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 make, make it plain to you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, what, what is he talking about here? He's talking about your eyes opening in the knowledge of him. He opens your eyes in the spirit of understanding. He said, I, want, I, want, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, right? This, this is what he's saying in the, in the 17th verse. Let me just read this again. He said, the first thing that I'm going to pray for you is that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What kind of knowledge is he talking about here? He's not talking about head knowledge. He's not talking about reading a book and getting it. He's talking about wisdom and revelation, which come by the spirit. He said, that's the first thing I want to pray, that you get a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That, that knowledge of him is the walking with him in the cool of the evening type knowledge. It's sitting on the back porch and pondering about love, pondering about the character of the father, pondering, meditating about the goodness of the father. That's the knowledge he's talking about here. Now, when, when that happens, this is the start of the process. Are you with me? Are you still with me? Knowledge of him unleashes wisdom and revelation. Absolutely. Inner knowing, intimate knowing. That's what, that's what turns this thing loose. That's what turns it loose, that you would gain the knowledge of him, which will release then wisdom and revelation. <clears throat> now watch what happens in verse 18. When that happens, when you walk in that, this wisdom and revelation, that's going to open the eyes of your understanding. Verse 18, and you will be enlightened and you will know. See, this is a knowing that you know, that you know, that you know. It's an inner, it's an inner um, um, confidence that you absolutely got a hold of it. And here's what you're going to know. What is the hope of his calling? The riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. You want to know everything that has been given to you in your inheritance. He says, then it's going to, cause the it's going to come from the eyes of your understanding being open and the eyes of your understanding open comes through a spirit of wisdom and revelation that is all funneled through your intimate relationship with him so if you really want to get this thing ginning in your life spend time with him sit on the back porch and ponder you know, my, my favorite place is i go out by the pool and i just i just it's quiet i hear the birds and i just open myself to what he wants to say. I don't try to determine what he's got to tell me ahead of time. I just open myself and let him begin to speak to me. And he shows me. The teachings I get come out of that time. I make notes. Uh, I'll come in, look up scripture to put some meat on the bones. But that's, that's how it goes. So he opens the eyes of your understanding. But there's more. There's, there's more to it than this. He says that you might know the inheritance of the saints and, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, who, who, have, who have seen and have responded effortlessly. Let's keep that in there for the believing. You're not trying to work up your belief according to the working of his mighty power. So he's going to show us what his greatness is toward us who believe that have responded according to the mighty working of his power. <clears throat> this is this gets really I mean this gets so good the power in you that is that is being generated is directly connected to his power 
Can you see that in verse 19? What is the greatness of his power toward us? Toward us. To the working of his mighty power. All right. Now here, here he's going to tell us how much that power is. Here's the power that is resident within you. I'm giving you all kinds of things to ponder and think about. I'm giving you enough you need to come back and listen to this. And I'm not, I'm not even a, a third of the way through this and my time is going quickly. Here's, here's how much power. Far above. All right, verse 20. This is the power that, that is in you. That worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that which is to come. So the power in you that is being directly, that is being generated is the same power. Man, this is same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got that power within you. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. His body, which you are a member in particular of, we, we reflect the fullness of him who fills all in all. So in, in, just in case, you know, you wondered how much and, and the word is power. The, the word is power. Um, back here, um, when he's talking about raising Jesus from the dead, far above all principality and power, it's the power that he generated is the word dunamis. It means dynamite. It's explosive. Nothing can contain it. Nothing can hold it down. And he connects you to it in verse 22 and verse 23. Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's you. That's that's your inheritance, my friend. He's telling you what he has given to you. And he starts it back in verse 17 with a prayer. And he just expands on that prayer to tell us what is the exceeding greatness of his dunamis, of his explosiveness, of his dynamite toward us according to the working of his power. It's not according to the work of your power or your understanding. It's according to the working of his power. So he just, what, he, what he's saying is, and what I see in my mind is, he just puts jumper cables on us. Our battery might be it. He puts the jumper cables on us and jumps us with his power. That's, that's a good way to look at it. I hadn't planned on saying that, but that's a good way to look at it. Let, let me confirm that with you over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5 and 6. I'm just going to wing it here. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6, he, he's going to show us the jumper cables, all right? He's going to show us that we just read the exceeding great power that he demonstrates toward us when he raised Christ from the dead. He says, that's your inheritance. That's what you've got. It's working in the body, the fullness of Christ. Then in verse 5 of chapter 2, it says, even when we were dead in trespasses, all right, the battery's dead. He takes the jumper cables, connects us to them to us from him to us his motors running his powers generating and he hooks them to us and he, when we were dead in trespasses he made us alive together with Christ ain't nothing about you in that verse nothing about your confession nothing about your faith nothing about you doing anything now when that when when you see that you can believe it and when you believe it your eyes are open and you can receive now he, he, he just, if that doesn't blow you away enough that he made us alive when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, here's, here's how much alive he made us. And he raised us up together with Christ when Jesus resurrected, you resurrected with him, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you need to see that by revelation through intimate knowledge that positions you in the heavenlies, seated next to Christ. That's what you're to identify with. That's your actual, authentic, new covenant, post-resurrection identity. So now here's, here you got a dilemma. You got a dilemma, many of you do. Are you a partaker of the unlimited divine nature? Are, are you gonna partake in everything I've been talking about this morning so far, or are you just a human being? Are you just a, a, an old person that is forever trapped in the limitations of the earth realm? How do you see you? How you see you is of vital importance because how you see you is how you're going to live. 
And what I'm doing this morning is that I'm feeding you full of things. I'm giving you vitamin after vitamin to help you see who you really are. Now, here's our dilemma, and I fully understand it. Here's our dilemma. We have a conflict. We live on earth. Our feet are here on terra firma, but we also read that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So which is it? We're trying to live in two dimensions at one time. And this is the tough transition. This is the transitioning of the kingdom into the earth. Heaven invading earth. Heaven coming to earth. Now Jesus did that exemplary. He lived in two kingdoms at one time. So you're in this dimension and you're surrounded by all kinds of limitations and you're groomed to accept those limitations. We're all groomed to adjust to limitations. Length of life, what we can achieve, uh, how far we can go. Um, you're in a world of limitation. But Jesus said you're in the world, but you're not of the world. So those of us that are on this cutting edge of what he's doing in the earth today, understand that we're, we're coming out of that mentality that would tell me that I am... I am limited in, in this dimension, that I, I'm not of this world. I'm here, but like Jesus, I'm not of this world. You're of another dimension. You're of another kingdom. You are a new creation. And my goodness, as, as 2023 unwinds, we are going to deep dive what this new creation is all about because we haven't the foggiest. We thought we stretched it. But when I'm getting out there by the pool, we ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. We're, the best is yet to come. It's going to take the ages to come for us to, to dive to the depths of his love and his grace for us. That's what Paul said. But we're conditioned to expect everything to be controlled by space and time, aren't we? By knowledge, by physical limitations, by physical strength, by human experience, by human evidence. We're, that's, how, that's how we've been groomed since we were born. When you reach the limits, then... That's how all you can't go any further. You reach 80 years, 90 years, you can't go any further. That's not, you're done. Really? Who told you that? Who told you that? Stay tuned, brother, because the new creation is much better than that. But we've been groomed to accept limitations. For 6,000 years, man's speed of transportation depended on a horse or how, how fast the wind was blowing. That was man's entire limitation and he put that limitation on himself but science has pushed those limitations to new levels where uh, you know i can I, I i go to grand rapids usually every year for for a meeting up with terry and carol heiss at their church i can i can go from from houston to grand rapids michigan in two hours and 40 minutes I can't, I can't, I couldn't walk to downtown Houston in two hours and 40 minutes. I couldn't get on a horse and get to downtown Houston from where I live out in Fulcher, which is out in the country. I couldn't get down to the heart of the city in two hours and 40 minutes on a horse. And here I can go, go to Dallas. I mean, I can go to Grand Rapids. Here's what's happening. Our physical world is undergoing a tremendous revolution. Things are speeding up. We're soon going to have planes that will carry people at the speed of sound. You think you're getting somewhere fast now, wait till then. They're putting a, listen, they're putting a bullet train that will go from Houston to Dallas, which takes me about four and a half, five hours to drive. They're putting a bullet train in that will get me from Houston to Dallas in an hour. I can't, uh, at eight o'clock in the morning, I can't get to downtown Houston in an hour from where I live. Traffic is too heavy, it's too much. Paul made a statement that we need to consider carefully. We really do, in light of what I'm telling you this morning, that you're a superhuman human, that you're not limited by what you see, what you hear, you're not limited. He has given you an inheritance. He's deposited into us. And, 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 and the, 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 the call today is to learn to draw on that inheritance. Simple as that. Paul made an astounding statement in 2 Corinthians. You don't hear too much teaching on this, but there's some depth to it that you can, you can ponder for yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 2 Corinthians doesn't go that high. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 46. Listen to this verse. This is a, this is an, a keen insight. It says, um, let me read verse 45. And so it was written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last man, 
the last Adam became a living spirit. However, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. Now there's a pattern that is set forth in scripture that you see it first in the natural, then it comes in the spiritual. So all these natural advances that we're seeing, all the things that even things like quantum physics are opening up <clears throat> to believers to see things. I believe quantum physics is the science of the kingdom. Stephen McVeigh does a great job teaching on that. Everything is beginning, we're beginning to make tremendous advancements in the natural and the spirit will follow that. It's first the natural, then the spiritual. The natural stretching of limits and boundaries is just a preview of things that are coming in, in spirit. I read one time in an E.W. Kenyon book, and I, I, I can't remember the exact wording, but here's basically what E.W. Kenyon said. He said, countries that are, are backwards in the natural are also not advanced in spiritual understanding. I think he said it like this. This is this coming back to me. He said, no country has ever had to have a copyright law. There's no originality. There's no inventions until first the gospel it comes. But once the gospel gets there, then the natural kicks in and people's creativity, people's ability to invent, to advance their civilization increases. And then the spirit comes right along beside of it. But it's the spirit that breaks it down. It's the spirit that opens the eyes of men's understanding. It's the spirit that triggers the creativity. So in this dimension, there are limitations, but they are expanding, expanding, expanding in the natural and they are expanding in the spirit. Now here's the, see, but everything natural has limitation. They cannot touch unlimited. Now here's, here's how unlimited looks. Um, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one. Now you, I told you, how do you see yourself? I hope you're, you're, you're thinking about that. How do you see you? Luke chapter one, verse 30. And the angel of the Lord said to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. So great, her, grace opens up a door. Favor with God. That's what grace, that's all that grace is. We, we all have grace. We all have favor with God. You found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth the son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, be called son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be seeing that I don't know a man? So we got a conflict of two dimensions going on here. This is what I want you to get. I'm not going to get into the story. What I want you to see is the conflict of two dimensions. Conflict of two dimensions. Verse 35 is, is a passage that opens up an unlimited past the limited, right? Verse, verse 35, let me read it again. Verse 35, the angel of the Lord answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary said, how can this be since I don't know a man? Limited. God says here, I'm going to open up an unlimited to you. Her, the eyes of her understanding, she found favor, she found grace, she was walking in grace. So now all of a sudden, the eyes of her understanding begin to open. She sees an angel, angel speaks to her, says, you're gonna have a son. We got a conflict of two dimensions here. I've never, I've never been involved in intimacy with a man. It's physically impossible for me to have. How's it gonna happen? So now the angel shows her, shows her exactly what will happen. She saw it, she heard it, she agreed to it, and it says in verse 38, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. She came into an agreement. That's the believing. That was the effortless response that came from Revelation. Can you see that? She found favor. The angel comes, tells her something impossible. She relates to where she's living, impossible. Angel tells her how the impossible will be. She sees it. So now she receives it. And the moment she said, be it unto me according to your word, Jesus was as good a born. He was as good a born. And then in verse 45, Elizabeth confirms it and, and believes because of, of what Mary says. So this has an effect on other people as well. Now, let's think about another one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown in the fiery furnace. You know the story. They wouldn't bow to the king. So the king says, bind them up, throw them in the furnace. They should have been cremated. 
They should have been zapped in a second, but the fourth man in the furnace moved and the three boys went beyond natural limits. They embraced the fourth man in the furnace and they came out, no smell of smoke. The cords were, 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 were burned off, but they weren't burned and they were promoted as a result. How's promotion in the kingdom going to come? Back to Ephesians 1, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened through our knowledge of him, we're going to begin to believe because we see and what we believe is going to be this mighty working of power that is within us that raised Jesus from the dead. With God, nothing is impossible, nothing. His middle name for me has become unlimited. You know what I'm talking about? I call him unlimited. Now here's, here's what's going on today. Man, I've laid, <laughs> I've laid a ton out there this morning. Here's what's going on today. He's setting up a people, a company of sons and daughters that are beginning to manifest. And what they're beginning to manifest is his image and his likeness in maturity. You're beginning to walk in things. You're beginning to hear things, see things you've never heard or seen before. That's what brought you out of religion. You begin to see his grace. You begin to see his love. You begin to see his fatherhood. You begin to see the inclusion he has of all men. You begin to understand Ephesians 4, 6, that there's only one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in all. You begin to see all these things. How did you see it? By revelation. How did the revelation come? Because you spent time with him. You begin to open your mind as Mary did when she said, so be it unto me according to your word. You, you probably said, I don't quite get all of this. You've explained it. Maybe you've shown me. I still don't get it. I'm crockpotting it. But so be it unto me according to your word. The father in the earth today is raising up sons and daughters in his image and he's maturing us into his likeness, which was reflected in Jesus. The father isn't trying to do something today. He's just flat out doing it. There's no limit to his ability. And because there's no limit to his ability, he has deposited and imparted to you the same all things are possible to him that believes, to him that is able to respond effortlessly to what they see through revelation. Mary believed his word, simple as that. To her, it was impossible. It was insurmountable. But do you understand, this, this just popped up in my spirit. Do you understand how this takes the pressure off of you to perform, to produce? All of us back in the day tried to make it happen. We did through prayer, we did through warfare. We tried to make things happen. We so much wanted to have it. We so much wanted to believe, but there were just these obstacles. And the obstacle was we didn't see Father as unlimited. Therefore, we couldn't see ourselves as unlimited. We didn't know our authentic identity. Therefore, we couldn't stretch ourselves to begin to open ourselves to what he has to say. Mary believed his word. Moses believed his word. Abraham believed his word. Paul believed his word. Jesus believed his word. You understand that? They believed it. They were, they were able to to have a response to it because of what they saw. So God broke through the natural and spoke to Mary. God's breaking through the natural today and the things that I teach at the Digital Cathedral mean nothing, mean nothing if you, if you don't grasp it. And I, I can't understand it for you. you. I can teach it to you, but you have to understand it, right? And he may take you a way of understanding it that is different from what I'm teaching it. I know there are many times I listen to someone teach, I listen to you know a, a, a YouTube teaching or a channel or whatever, and what the person is teaching on is ABC. What I'm hearing is DEF, because the Spirit of Truth has taken that, wound it, and shot it to write what I need at that time. And that's what he'll do for you here through the Digital Cathedral. My job is not to indoctrinate you. I'm not trying to tell you what to believe. I'm trying to teach you how to believe. I'm trying to teach you how to open yourself up inwardly to the things of God. It's, you know, I'm not 100% I'm not right, I'm sure of that. What I believe today, I, there, there are adjustments from five years ago that I don't believe like I did five years ago. That's the journey, brother. It, it'd be, it would be presumptuous of me to sit, stand here, sit here, and tell you that what I believe is absolutely accurate, you cannot change it. There's no variation to it. This is what it is. Absolutely not. I would be foolish to do that. I would never do that. I know that's what happens in churches. They've got their doctrine. That's what they think is, 
is, is absolute truth. And there's 40 some thousand denominations that all believe they have the truth based upon the Bible. And none of the two can agree on anything. I'm gonna talk about that coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna to talk to you, I'm gonna do a series called this. Gospel without doctrines. Gospel without doctrines. Oh, is that possible? Absolutely. It's the carnal mind that limits God. We're the ones that put the limitation on him. It's our thinking. It's our, it's, it's our inability to just open ourselves to get quiet, to be submissive, to put ourselves in a place where, where we're willing to hear. It's the carnal mind that limits God. It's the mind that's highly trained to receive data from the five senses. The mind that is extremely logical and people that are brilliant. I thank God that I'm not brilliant because people that are brilliant sometimes have trouble receiving like a child. We can do this. See, we can do this, we can't do that. That's what the mind tells us. I can swim, but I can't walk on water. I can jump, but I can't fly. How do, why? Because that's, that's what I believe. Jesus didn't believe he could swim but not walk on water. I believe Jesus could swim and walk on water. What's, what's the difference? He was tapped into another dimension. He was of the world, but he wasn't, he was in the world, but he wasn't of the world. The Father had revealed to him some secrets, and quantum physics is revealing some of those very same secrets to us today. When God speaks a word to you, all bets are off on natural limitations. God speaks to you about starting a business. God speaks to you about coming to Global Grace Seminary, getting an education, opening up a nonprofit counseling grace center. You go, I, I can't do this. I haven't been to school in 30 years. How can I go to Global Grace Seminary? How can I start a business? I have no resources. I have no capital. See, you've just limited yourself. You're tapped into the one that has no limitations. You're tapped into the one that has an abundance of resources. And all he's asking you to do is to position yourself, spend some time with him. Let him open the eyes of your understanding. Let him show you the depth of the power that he has to demonstrate in your life toward everything that you're trying to grab hold of naturally. I want you to think of it for a minute. This is what's good. This is what is what'll change the world. Think of it. A people that are called sons and daughters of the Most High God, walking with Him in a totally unlimited fashion on the earth. Think about a God with His people that have no limitations. See, some of you say, well, I don't, I don't really think that's possible. Well, you've just, you've just spooked it. You've, you've just put, you've just stopped it. You've shortcutted it. You short-circuited it. The sonship pattern was laid out by Jesus. Jesus did not walk in limitations. You say, but that was Jesus. He was the son of God. Who the heck do you think you are? You're a son or a daughter of God. You are tapped into the same resource. We just read it and read it and read it out of the, out of the scripture. Let's begin to let the eyes open up. Don't close them. When they start to open, don't, don't squint, don't close them. His life, Jesus' life was the perfect picture of a man walking in two dimensions at one time. The difference in Jesus, and this is where we're coming, this is where he's forming within us, the Christ within us. Jesus walked in two dimensions, but he only lived out of one dimension, which was unlimited. Can we make that transition? Can we, can we stay on this planet? And can we live out of an unlimited resource? I believe we absolutely can. Absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna read one verse of scripture, actually two verses, and then I'm gonna be done. I want, I, want you to, I want you to see that you can, because again, of what he has done, what he has direct deposited. And that's the, I, I love that, that, uh, that symbology there. I love to say direct deposit because People always say, well, you got to receive, you got to, you know, no. When it's direct deposited, it's already there. You just need to draw on it. Your rich uncle puts a million dollars into your, your bank account. You don't have to receive it. All you got to do is write a check. All you got to do is begin to write a check on this based on believing, based on effortless response to revelation, revelation based on what you see, what you see based on time you spend with him alone and he's able to show you. All right, here's, here's why I'm, I can say what I'm saying, I do believe, without, without hesitation. John chapter three, verse 34. This, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, 
For God, oh man, I underlined this in my Bible. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. He does not give the Spirit by measure. You do not have a junior Holy Spirit in you. You do not have a junior Spirit of truth in you. Baby, you got the whole load. You got as much as Jesus had. Nobody ever told you that one, did you? You have the Spirit without measure. You've put a measure on it, perhaps, and you've said this is all the Spirit can do. No, I've spent 50 minutes and 24 seconds telling you that, that you're unlimited, that you're a superhuman human, that you're not bound by restrictions. But you have to see yourself that way. How much spirit do you have? How much, how much of you really is living and walking in spirit? Are, are you as he is in this present world or are you not? Was he pulling our leg when, when he said that we could do greater works than he did? I mean, Jesus was willing to take, take us so far and then say, look, I'm leaving, but I'm sending one that's going to make the realm of the unlimited possible for you. Therefore, the works that I do will you do and also greater works than these. Let's begin to think unlimited. Let's begin then to drop it and think unlimited. Let's not, don't let our mind put, put hindrances on us. With men, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You, you have moved in awareness. I've moved you several degrees in awareness just this morning by letting you know that you are the God man, that you're a superhuman human. You're a chip off the old block. See, that's who you are. You, you have dropped the mere human and you've become a joint heir. And today is the first day of the rest of your life living in that realm of unlimited as a joint heir with him. Amen. All right. God bless you. I think that's a good place to stop. Whew, let me take a breath. I've put it out there as fast as I could put it and as deep and as heavy as I could put it for this particular time. Got so much more to say, so much more to teach. Every time I turn around, I'm seeing something new. There's more opening up. And I know it's the same thing in your life as well. Let's talk about a little bit more Wednesday night at the secret place. And don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday morning, 10 a.m. here at the Digital Cathedral. Invite a friend, share the, share the teaching. Don't be stingy. Let other people in on what you have too. Till then, God bless. See you next time.